Welcome to Shit You Don't Want to Talk About. Before listening to today's episode, please be advised, some content may include discussion around topics that are difficult to hear, especially for children under the age of 13. We want to encourage you to care for yourself, security, and well-being. Resources of each episode will be listed in the episode description and on the website shittotalkabout.com. Hey, Angel. Thank you for joining Shit You Don't Want to Talk About. Please introduce yourself and what shit you want to talk about today. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. This is great. I'm really excited because there's so much shit we don't want to talk about, right? And yeah, and and just the idea of you kind of bringing that forward. I I really appreciate that. Um, So my name is Angel Evinger. I um, really want to talk kind of about depression or mental illness. And I hate the word mental illness. I really kind of like um, um, just brain health because really in many cases about depression, it's really about what is what chemicals are off in your brain. And it's not necessarily about, um, you know, somebody saying something mean to you. It, it, there's more to it than that. And I think we have uh, so many people that are dealing with depression, especially through COVID and yeah. you know, everything that we've had to deal with that I think it's a, a, a very good thing to talk about and let people know that it's okay you know, to, to, to look at how you're feeling and know that it's okay to feel that way. And let's try to figure out how to make you feel better. Definitely. And, and I know that we talk about mental health a lot on this podcast and it, it is because it's so important that because with whatever we've gone through and whatever we're going through, we're not going to get there if, or it'll be a lot of a very hard struggle right. unless we talk about the underlying and I don't like that uh, health, we'll talk about underlying health right. and getting our feelings, emotions, brain, body figured out. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. how did you get to this point of like, you have a podcast, you want to talk about this, like, how'd you get where you're at? Well, um, my kids are older now. My youngest is uh, 19, but when I had her, um, I went through postpartum depression, which, you know, I mean, there's a lot of women that, that go through that. And after being um, on medication for that, after a long time, the doctor basically said, I think this might be something that's going to be long-term for you. And um, so I went from seeing my OB about postpartum to actually seeing a psychiatrist about depression and anxiety. And throughout the years of my kids growing up and being young, um, I, I had to get on medication and I would try so many times to just say, you know, I don't want to take it. Who am I? I just, I didn't want to be without my medication. I can handle it. I can totally do okay. So I'm going to stop taking my medication and not even really talking to the doctor about it. Just being strong headed in the mind that I will be okay. I should not have to have medication to live my life. And what I found that, and I did this a number of times was that I wasn't I don't want to say I wasn't a good person, but I wasn't the best person that I could be. So I wasn't the best mom. I wasn't the best wife. I wasn't the best friend. And I definitely wasn't treating myself, you know, with grace and, um, and stuff because, because I I was just, I needed, I needed the medicine and what it took me a long time to kind of, um, grip is that when you have depression or when you have anxiety, not everybody has this, but um, a very large purport, uh, proportion of people, you actually have medication, not medication, you actually have hormones or things in your brain that are not created enough. So you're lacking medication or you're lacking certain things in your brain. So it's just like, um, you know, if, if you were diabetic, would you take insulin? right? Your body needs the insulin. So you take it because that makes you, you know, become um, healthy. Well, it's no different with, with mental illness or with, like I say, brain health, because you're not, your body's not making that chemical that needs to be in your brain. So if you don't have it, then you are, your body's not going to work to its full potential, right? And we all kind of want that best life and that best way of being able to, um, to live your life. And so I kind of found that, okay, it's not fair to my kids, you know, for me to not be a good mom or for me to not have the patience or for me to yell at them or for me to spend days in bed. Right. Um, which I still had to do in many cases, but 
So I decided, okay, I'm just committed. I finally, after years of trying this, I finally just said, okay, I'm, I'm going to be okay with medication. And I know there's a lot of opinion about whether medication should be uh, an option. And it's not for everyone. Um, if you have that chemical imbalance in the brain, it is something that's going to bring you back to a normal state. And, you know, that's needed for so many people. Agreed. And before I go down the rabbit hole of medications, uh, I just did the math of your youngest is 19. That means that they were born after the year 2000, Mm -hmm. which personally makes me feel really old because when I get ID'd and they see the one, they don't even worry about looking at the let rest because, you know, if you were born in at least 2000, you're 21. Right. And I'm like, God, oh, I know. Right. I feel so old. Right. And I, I just had to call that one out because, you know, that's at least something uh, a little fun about this because these conversations, I, I honestly say that these are, I have fun doing them. They can take a toll on, you know, whoever's having these conversations yet. I, I get a lot out of it. And, but for so many people, it's not fun. So I right. like that, uh, that we're, able to do this. Now, for the medications and even reeling back some, I you mentioned that if, with your youngest, uh, you were diagnosed with postpartum and they said that it would last a lot long. It could last a lot longer. How did that feel? How many, you said you have three children? Yes. Okay. Yes. So youngest one, you've, you've gone through this twice before you are feeling, how are you feeling? Like how did postpartum show up for you? And how did you realize something was wrong compared to your other two children? Mm -hmm. Um, For me, I found that I was sad, you know, for lack of a better term, I just was very emotional and everything um, was overwhelming. So being overwhelmed was a, a huge thing, whether it was something as simple as, um, you know, like taking care of my daughter, I I would become completely overwhelmed just by doing that. Right. And, and not that when they're babies, they're a ton of work, don't get me wrong. Um, but I just kind of had that baby blues where everything was really sad and, and, um, emotional and overwhelming. And I, when she told me originally that you were going to have to take that, not have to, but that the option was, was to take medication. Um, I was just like, no, I don't, I, you know, I'm okay. I can get through it. I think that's a very common, you know, thing is that you can get through it. Um, but for me, it sh- and, and still till this day shows up and being overwhelmed or, and that's partially anxiety as well. Right. So there's a number of different, um, things that can come up for people when they're dealing with something, it doesn't look the same for everyone. And, and thinking about that a little deeper is, Anxiety is not new in the mm-hmm. fact that it's been around for generations. It's it's just becoming more common to talk about and different solutions for it. And to dig in a bit deeper on the medications, as I've mentioned before, I'm bipolar type two, depressed anxiety, ADHD, uh, so super neurodivergent. That right. is who I am in a nutshell, I've had, uh, you know, uh, craniotomy, I have a couple benign arachnoid cysts hanging out on my brain. And so I found that finding the right medication is like finding the right therapist or the right doctor. Mm-hmm. It's a bitch. Oh, it my takes God. a lot it of time to so figure much it out. Work. Yeah, it takes and, so much work. Can you give us a, a bit of your journey with that? Yeah. Um, about five or six years ago, we just kind of, you just play with medication, right? So you get on a medication and you try it for, let's say a month. And then the doctor kind of says, okay, how are you feeling? And you say better, worse, same. Right. And he says, okay, well, if it's not helping by next month, then we're going to take you off the medication. So you wait another month and then they, he says, okay, it's not working. Let's take you off. So then you have to come down on the medication little by little, right. To get it out of your system. And then you stop. So now it's been, let's say three months. That was one medication that you tried that, you know, that you didn't work. 
And then he goes, okay, well, let's try a second medication. You know what I mean? So it's like this long process of trying to try something, see if it works for you and then eliminate it if it doesn't. You don't, you're not going to get the full effects of any medication unless you've been on it from three to six months, right? Mm -hmm. So um, it's really just this, every person's different and it's trying to find this combination of drugs that that's going to work for you. And years ago, I got on a medication. I it's, it was like four different medications and playing with the doses and I got it right. And I was feeling good. And so four or five years was good. And then my doctor came to me just last uh, March, this, this year, March and said, you know, this medication that you're on, if you've been on, you're not supposed to be on it long-term. It's supposed to be more of a short-term medication. That was Geodon. And, um, and so I said, okay, well, he, he wanted to take me off of it. So I was like, oh, great. Now we're going to go through this process again. So I come off of the medication, which takes again, you know, a series of time because you have to, to taper off of it. And, um, I went into a depression and, um, that was March and we've been playing with medication since March. I think we tried five or six different things in combination with all the rest of the stuff that I was taking and, um, coming on and coming off and waiting and seeing if it works and just gosh, within the last couple of weeks, I'm thinking, oh, I'm actually feeling good. I can actually get out of bed. I have kind of a will to, um, or motivation. I think uh, a big part of it is having the motivation to do something. So you, you aren't just sad or literally exhausted. I mean, physically exhausted from being in depression. And there's all these things that people don't realize, you know, is involved involved in that. So I'm starting to now feel pretty good, but I feel like 2021 was really a waste because it was all about trying to find the right medication. So it can be complicated, right? It can be complicated to put all of this together to make it work. And I don't want to scare anybody or, you know, say anything. It's so worth going through that process to ultimately feel better at the end. And when you get there, you go, God, I don't realize how bad it was, but now I feel great. Right. And for yeah. some people, it's one medication. And that's great for me and for you. Our situation is a little bit more complicated than, you know, just just trying one one thing. He I've also been um, diagnosed with bipolar, two, um, So that, you know, it, it's just all it's all com- it's all just a combination of trying to put things together. And like you said, it is. said, take care of your shit. Right. Yeah. <laughs> trying to figure your shit out. Yeah. yeah. And, and to support what you said at the very beginning, I, medication is not for everybody. Medication can help a lot of people. And I want to dive in a bit deeper on that one before we talk about more experiences with medication. Uh, there has been, I, I want to say, an idea that was put out there that everybody just stuck to, that if you're depressed, exercise. If oh. you're depressed, eat better, right. if you're depressed, sleep better. And yes, those are all very, very, very good ideas and right. practices, and it can keep our body healthy. And for many, many people that really does help their mental health. Mm-hmm. It, it really can. It does not help everyone. Right. And I think that's a big a big thing that uh, we've talked about all with many people on this podcast is it's different for everyone. I know that I used to love going out and seeing a bunch of people and people watching. And now if I, the thought of being in a crowd, I get anxious just thinking yes, about it. Right. Where I, and I'm like, that's crazy. I did that probably until I was 31 And in the last year or so, you know, during COVID, I was like, I like being by myself. Right. And as my partner likes to tell me, I nest, I basically set up a fort in our bed. And Mm -hmm. when I need to recover, you could say, or, you know, get back to myself. So it's, it's a very, very big balance. It's different for all of us. Mm -hmm. And I really want to call that out before talking a bit more about like medications and bipolar type two. Right. (laughs) Right. No, I agree. I, you know, it can really be overwhelming. Right. And, and I don't, for those that don't experience depression or anxiety on any level, don't really understand that, 
you know, if you go into a group of people, like let's say a party, which I is not my thing anymore. When I was younger, yeah, of course I was like, you know, I, I was never a big partier, but I would love to be with people. Um, and now my example is we like to go to Disneyland. So we go to Disneyland and I'm there for half a day and I'm like, okay, I need to go shut down, take a nap in my bedroom, right? And, and then I'll come back for the evening stuff because it just gets completely overwhelming. And my family knows that. Whereas they go from seven o'clock in the morning till midnight and they are totally fine, right? So they just kind of understand that um, I need that downtime, like you said, to recover, to kind of recoup, to, to shut off everything that's around you and allow yourself to kind of reboot almost, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and on that note, one, one thing that I do want to mention is we both talked about bipolar type two. And for those who don't understand uh, bipolar or bipolar two, to break that down a little bit is bipolar means that individuals will go into mania where they go into such grandiose, where they feel like they're on top of the world. This is why uh, you may see someone that is bipolar it can feel like they can fly, can feel like they can right. do anything. They may um, decide that they're in, and I don't want to say decide, they may feel that they are invincible right. and speed a lot more or, uh, and they still go into a very, very depressed mode afterwards. Mm -hmm. Now with bipolar type two, it's, it's very similar yet not the the mania is not as extravagant. Right. So it is called hypomania, right. which means that individuals with bipolar type two will, it could be a day or a week that they will go into being a bit more productive, being a bit more talkative is definitely mm -hmm. not as grandiose yet. The depression is just as bad, if not worse. Right. And that is something that I think what and and for all of those listening or watching, that is my own interpretation of bipolar right, and bipolar right. type twos. So you want to get to know more, please Google it and or talk to a doctor. Right. Um what I found is understanding the stigmas behind a lot of this because I was diagnosed with ADHD and bipolar type two. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, when I was first diagnosed, I was like, nope, right. uh, I'm not bipolar. I can take my, right. you know, ADHD medication. I'm not bipolar. Right. I'm, not, I'm not bipolar. Right. No. I think part of the process of, of being diagnosed is acceptance, right? Mm -hmm. And it takes, for me, it took years for me to really accept it. So I, it sounds like you can kind of relate to that. Yeah. And, and something that my psychiatrist, I moved to Colorado about a year ago and I've been working with uh, a psychiatrist and just getting all my stuff in order. And one thing that he asked me as we're going through all, all of it, I told uh, how to tell him about my entire past. And right. he's like, it sounds like you have PTSD as well. Wow. I'm like, what is PTSD? Like, isn't right. that just for like the military? Right. Because they go through some shit. Right. And Major, he's like, right. no. He's like PTSD happens to anyone that has trauma. But I, what I love the most about my psychiatrist that he asked me, are you, how are you feeling with these diagnoses? How are you feeling about your treatment plan? Mm -hmm. And that's, it made me go from you're a doctor assigning me stuff. Like you're a teacher assigning me stuff. I have to do this to, right. we're a partner in this to make me feel better. Right. Yeah. Like he cares about me as a human, but I mean, in general, like he probably could give two shits because it's not his problem. It's my problem. And have you gone through that experience dealing with different psychiatrists in that process? Because I feel like it's a very different process mattering on who you go to. Oh, totally. Um, I remember when I first was diagnosed and, and went from my OB to a doctor, um, <clears throat> he didn't look at anything more than what the OB said. He just kind of said, oh, okay, well, you know, postpartum, here's medicine. So like you said, he wasn't partnering with me to figure out kind of what happened. And after being there for probably a year, maybe a year and a half, my girlfriend who 
um, had a different doctor within the same office recommended um, this doctor to me. And so I switched over to, to him and I've had him since the beginning. So, um, well, 18 years now, I mean, God, I'm showing my age, but you know, I've had <laughs> him for, for so long that we, we have this real history and this real understanding and he can go back through all the notes and really go, oh yeah, we did this and we did this. And um, I think having a good partner in this makes such a big difference because, you know, we talk about medication being an option. You really want somebody that's there to support you, like you said, and to really help you become your best self. And it's not about, okay, here's medication, get out of my office, right? It's mm -hmm. about okay, how are we going to make you better? And so like one trip we'd go, okay, so you're feeling X, let's, let's um, you know, try to make that even out with medication or therapy or whatever it is. And then the next time I go and I'm going, well, I'm feeling good on this sense, but now I'm not feeling good on this sense. And there's really this balance of when one thing goes up, another thing goes down, right? It, it, mm -hmm. and, and so then you take something else to bring up that thing that's down. And then the other thing might go down again. It's just like this, um, it's just, a, it's just a game almost, right? It's like trying to figure out what works for you. And um, I was lucky enough to kind of find the, the, the right doctor who put me on a, a, a cocktail of medication that is very different, I think, than I would get from anyone else. And he says to me before, he's like, if some, if some other doctor saw the kind of stuff that I had you on or the combination of stuff, he would think that I was crazy, right? But it worked. Who cares? It works, mm -hmm. right? It gets me because I don't live a good life when I'm not feeling good. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I don't want to, again, I don't want to say medications for everyone, but um, if, if you have nothing else left and you're, you know, and, and you're not feeling good, you have the right as a human being to feel good about yourself, to feel good about the environment you're in, to, to feel happy. It's such a joy is such a thing that some of us comes very easily, right? But if you're in our position, it may not come naturally unless you really work on it and you have to have that partner to be able to do that with yeah agreed agreed and you you mentioned about how he your psychiatrist partnered with you and you've been uh with the same psychiatrist for 18 years I've had a primary doctor that I absolutely absolutely love that's in Phoenix and one thing that she would mention and while I was going through all this journey is she and I talked about non-prescribed medications. So like herbal medications. And for some people that really works too. And there's right. different options out there. That's not something that worked for me. And I don't want to promote or not promote a, a specific um, way of doing things or mm -hmm. a specific brand. I just want to throw it out there right. that there are different options. There are uh, some people find a lot of resources with medication, with um, you know, different communities around them. There's so many different aspects. And sometimes it is a lifestyle change. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it mm -hmm. is a physical location change. Right. And it's really, really hard to to figure that all out. So right. while while you've been going through all of this, what are some questions that you asked the world or asked yourself that you kind of had to deal with or figure out to get where you're at now? Well, I think a big one for me and even for my friends that I've, you know, kind of uh, discussed this with was acceptance was how do you um, just accept that this is the way you are and that you need help. And I think that's so hard to do. Um, but it's such a big part of what you do, you know, um, and, and knowing that, once you make that step to say, I need help and I'm going to accept the help from somebody that I trust, and then we're going to work together to make this right. And for years and years, it was kind of a gamble, you know, just a juggling act. And I, like I said, I got to a point where I was like, okay, I, I feel good. And I was able to stay on that combination for a number of years, um, feeling really, feeling really good. Uh, one other thing that you mentioned too, before was like the diet and how, um, to incorporate some of those things and whether or not they help. For me, I, I, 
I think those things help. I, I think it's part of you know your treatment plan, for example. I went through a period where I changed my diet drastically and um, became a vegetarian. Not nobody has to do that. You know, that's not what I'm saying. But um, I changed my diet drastically and it made me feel better. I felt better. And I think that whether you're dealing with depression, anxiety, bipolar or not, doing that will make you feel better. I just felt clearer. I just felt, you know, um, but it's always in combination with the other things you know, that I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So I feel like for some people, they may be in a situation similar to ours and they change their diet and they're like, I feel better. You know, for me, it was just a small portion. It was just kind of this, this one thing that made things a little bit clearer, um, for myself that, um, I was able to kind of see a difference in, in making some of those changes. So there, there's so many things that, that might give you a little bit of a change to help you feel better that, you know, if you do three or four of those things, exercise regularly, maybe yoga, you know, eat, um, healthily or, or really try to put nutrients on your body, just not food, that kind of thing, um, that you might get a couple jumps forward that will help, you know, with how you feel. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's actually something that we have a dietitian uh, that came on a few episodes ago that oh, great. really talks about how our gut health can affect the rest of our body. Mm -hmm. And it's almost, it's great and also kind of difficult to narrow down where the pieces are that we need to fit in the puzzle a little better mm -hmm. or and it's different for everyone. Uh, there are some things that I, I really do want to pick out that we, we've we mentioned and I've heard you say of you felt better. Mm -hmm. And that is something that took me a long time. And I've heard of this from others that they didn't know that feel better was a thing. Mm -hmm. They thought it it is what it is. And I'm never going to feel better. It's I'm going to, I'm stuck. I can't get out of this. And they've been that way. And it's surrounded by that their entire life. Mm -hmm. And how did you start realizing that there was a better? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, I don't, I, I didn't realize that there, it was a possibility until I started feeling it. Right. Like you said, I think you get into a point where you're like, well, this is just this is just what it is, right? This is just how I'm going to live my life and the level that I'm going to, that I'm going to live my life. And, um, I, I think that's where we lose a lot of people, right. To people that just kind of give up and say, I can't, I can't do this anymore, but if you can, um, just keep trying, you know, just keep going one step forward. Um, whether it's like you said, gut health or diet or, um, trying to incorporate certain things into your life, when you, when you start to feel better, when I started to feel better, I didn't realize how bad I felt, right? Until you start kind of feeling the positive. So for me, I didn't know it was possible until I even got there. And then once you get there, and like in my case, I had to change my medicine and I went back, you know, six years to where I was before. And I was like, oh, this sucks. And, um, and trying to figure out what, you know, what happens now with my current situation, which really sucks is that when I changed my diet, I lost about 80 pounds. And with the medication that I'm currently on that we got working worked before, but I gained weight. So I was kind of like, I don't even want to try that medicine because I'm going to gain weight. Well, that's the only thing that was the only thing that was left for me to try. And I said, fine, I'll try it. So now I'm in this battle between I I'm on this medication, but I gain weight on this medication. So how am I going to feel good about myself, right? And feel positive about things when physically I'm doing everything that I can that I used to do to keep my body a certain way and I'm just gaining weight. So, you know, there's a challenge with everything, with every medication, there's a side effect and it, it, you really just have to choose, okay, what's more important? Like for the longest time, I wouldn't even take this medication. And my, my husband's like, really, you're going to, you know, not feel good knowing that this one medication works because you don't want to gain weight. And I was like, yep, that's just, that's just the way it is. 
right? And needing to accept the fact that there it changes, it changes in my body, you know, and and I don't want to sound like it's such a downer to have to be in this position and have to take these medicines, but there's challenges with everything, you know, and, and this, this idea of brain health or mental illness or whatever it is that you want to talk about. Um, it's a, it's work. And like you said, it affects your day-to-day -day life. Right. And so when you find something that does work, you have to embrace that, you know, and you have to, yeah. really, you have to really work for it. So if you notice that you change your diet and you feel better, then that's, what's real for you right? If you notice mm -hmm. that when you do yoga, you feel better, then that's what you should do for you. Um, and it may only be a small bit better, but it's better than where you were. Does that and, answer your question? It does. It okay. does. And, and that does show a bit of before and after and also uh, cause and effect. Mm -hmm. Because I know for myself and I mattering on when this one airs, but at the end of February, I'm going to be having a hysterectomy. Oh, wow. And I don't have kids yeah. and I've been diagnosed with PCOS, which is polycystic ovary syndrome. We're going to go with that. <laughs> Google yeah. it, PCOS. Yeah. And for those individuals that have ovaries and a uterus and all of that, it's, it's where my periods would be so painful mm -hmm. and so disruptive in my life. And uh, the mood swings from it. And this is definitely something that also contributes to all of my medication. Right. I finally last year, it was, it was very interesting. I went in and I knew that because of this, I needed to try one more birth control. It was the last one I haven't done yet. And mm -hmm. I was just like, I don't want to do it. I'm going to gain weight. Right. And I totally did. I gained like 15 pounds. Right. But yeah. It's, it's the type of thing that we really need to see overall what is best and what are the effects of the, of the two. For me, having a hysterectomy is, yes, it is scary, yet it is very much worth it because I'm in so much pain and I don't know what life is really like without birth control since the age of 12. Why, so I've right. been on this like 20 plus years. And yeah. to your point earlier, that really does affect your hormones. Mm -hmm. That being said, like I know for myself, I'm going to adopt like that is my partner and I have already talked about it. That is something right. we want to do in our future. And for the part of acceptance it is definitely our choice mm -hmm. and it is so scary. So, so scary to trust ourselves right? and to learn to trust ourselves. And that means having that conversation with ourselves, even if our spouse doesn't agree, even right. if our family doesn't agree, even if our support system is shit right. and they don't agree, which is probably why they're a shit support system. Right. <laughs> On that note though, like, you went through this while you had a uh, newborn and kids growing, like little kids. And I can only imagine how difficult that is as a, not only a new mother, but a mother with kids, because yes, I don't have kids, but many of my friends do. And I can only tell they're a handful, right. you know, like right. mothers out there uh, and fathers, like y'all, like parents, I should just say parents. Y'all have a lot going on. Oh yeah, totally. Totally. I think that, gosh, it's just, you know, really the reason why I kind of, I went with where, where I was, was because, um, with, I had to put my kids first, right? So the decision I made was that I need this medication because my kids need me to be in a better place to, to handle that. So you know, it's, it's a challenge. You mentioned that you had PCOS. Again, I can relate to you on that sense because, um, yeah, I've had that as well. And when I got pregnant with my first daughter, we had to use something called Clomid that, cause PCOS, basically you don't ovulate on a regular basis. It's sporadic. There's no, it makes no sense. So I wasn't ovulating when we were trying to get pregnant. 
So we took something that called Clomid that made you ovulate so that you could get pregnant. So I can relate to, to that. And that has an issue related to weight gain as well. So, you know, it's like, there's so much that that's involved in this whole process. And for those of you watching for longer pauses, we have a doggo situation. So (laughs) (laughs) no, there's no need to be sorry. This is what I love about, you know, Zoom and just the virtual world now is you're in another state than me and we still get to have this conversation. And that's the beauty of working from home. It's, it's messy shit. And you you mentioned about that you had to take this pill and you gained weight. And what would you say for parents out there kind of like, especially if they have a significant other that doesn't believe in, in, you know, medication or especially I've heard this in past relationships and it's one of the most painful things I've ever heard of, well, you're always dealing with it. Right. You always keep saying it's going to get better. You keep saying that it's going to be long-term. Why aren't you getting better? Right. What the fuck is your problem? Right. Like take any variation of them. And I've probably heard it. Yeah. It is so hurtful, especially for those who have never been through this. And I, I have a special place in my heart because I feel like, yes, it's very hard as an individual for myself. Yet I can only imagine if you have kids, if you have a partner that isn't supportive, like what would you tell someone going through that? Wow. Um, I've been very lucky because my partner has been very supportive um, of me and kind of my process. And that's not to say that I don't feel bad because he has to, you know, deal with certain things that other couples may not have to deal with, but I, I think you need to focus on making yourself a priority so that you can provide for those that are around you, right? So if it's the whole put, you know, the mask on yourself before you put it on your kids, I've heard that a million times because um, nobody's going to understand what you're going through except for you, no matter how much you're able to talk about it, no matter how supportive your spouse is, the only one that's going to understand it is you. and Um, learning what that is for you. What is it that you personally need? And if you're not getting that from your spouse, you know, if if he's not someone or she's not someone that will take, that will talk about it and that will support you, find that in other people. I mean, we have access now to so many different communities with Facebook and, um, you know, just different, different things that you can connect online through Zoom Um, You can find support groups of people that go through that. I mean, you know, we just, we talked before, but we just kind of met today and there's a lot of things that are exactly the same between you and me that we could probably, you know, talk about and, and, and share Mm -hmm. and support each other. So it's just about, about finding that, that person. And I did have a, I had a really good friend that I, I don't know, I don't even know how she came into my life. I know how she came into my life, but I don't know. I was very lucky to find her because she experienced a lot of these things herself and was able to say to me, this is not normal, right? This is not what you should be dealing with. This is the doctor's not doing what you need or, you know, so it's, it's great to have a community of people around you that can support you and guide you too, because, you know, when you're diagnosed with depression or PCOS or, you know, bipolar, it's new. It's new to you. It's probably new to your family, new to your kids. So what resources can you tap into that will support you through the process? Right? Because that it's just about finding that group because mm-hmm. your, your family who's not going through it personally is not going to understand it at the same level that somebody else that is experienced in it or has experienced it is going to be able to, to support you. Um, so just finding those people that, that you can connect with that can help you with what you're going through. Um, you know, my, my spouse is beyond supportive, but there are things that he doesn't understand. Right. So there, there are things that I can find from this girlfriend that I have 
that I would never be able to find through my husband just because he does not have the experience and it doesn't make him, you know, any like bad or good. It just, it's just different. Right. And a hundred percent on that, that is something I, I love the, 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 what you said on the resource groups online, because something that I think a lot of individuals think of is this is only for people that live in the city, people that have, you know, all the therapists in the world. Right. I honestly have never met my psychiatrist in person. Mm-hmm. He's online and mm-hmm. my therapist is online now. I used to go see her in person, but now I'm like, I'm much more comfortable being in my little nest bubble in bed, right. talking to her online yeah. than in her office. And it makes me focus a lot more. Mm-hmm. And also just the fact of you, your partner can do a lot. Your partner can be there quite a bit. It doesn't mean that they need to be, want to be, should be your only source of telling them everything. That is right. a huge, huge burden on them. And right. that's something that I I think a lot of us don't really conceptualize because we're like, oh my gosh, we found such a cool partner that is there for us. Yet it's, it's kind of like when you put it in the love box, it's picture of like, you know, a little box and both individuals have to put a lot of love in it because mm-hmm. if it go, if one doesn't put into it, the other person will dry up and want to go away. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, at least for myself, what I've learned is that if I only talk to Tyler, my partner about this stuff, it can get really, really overwhelming for him mm-hmm. because he hasn't had these types of experiences. He doesn't understand why all of a sudden I'm crying because for some reason, the conversation we're having about finances triggers me being in solitary confinement when I was four. Right. What? Right. Like, the two are logically not associated whatsoever, but right. something there decided it was. Yeah. And that is something that I really, really want to hit on is the fact that your partner can be there for you, but they're not mm-hmm. the only ones there. Right. And they don't have the tools that you need. Yeah. Right. Um, and and if we were expect them to take full responsibility of what we're going through, like you said, they're then going to be become completely overwhelmed and, and not mm-hmm. be able to provide assistance. So they may feel like they're inadequate, right? Because they can't mm-hmm. give you what you need. So find, find a group or a person or community, you know, that can provide that for you. And there's so many opportunities out there right now because, you know, everything's on Zoom now. You know, like you said, yes. you used to go through to a doctor's o- or to a therapist's office and you don't have to do that anymore, My, you know, um, to me, which makes it so many more opportunities available as well. Yeah. yeah. And, and I do want to call out like during, you know, the pandemic times, a lot of people have said the, the touch, the vibe, the aura, it is, it is sometimes harder to relay that over a screen yet. I don't know. I feel such, there's such beauty in it Mm -hmm. and it does take more to, to have these deeper conversations because especially for example, coworkers or your neighbors, Mm -hmm. because you're not walking by them all the time where you overhear them talking about, I'm saying football because, you know, that is a very popular topic in an office. Right. Uh, the guys at work will still, they'll be talking. I, my main core group is a group of three gentlemen and me. Mm-hmm. So they'll talk football for five, 10 minutes. And then I'm like, okay, great. So I was able to get this new matte lipstick that I absolutely <laughs> love. It's, a, it's in this dark shade. Right. And I got the best eyeshadow palette ever. And, you know, I don't have to redye my hair this week. My you know, dry shampoo is doing great. And I literally <laughs> will talk about it because I'm like, right. I a love the fact that they are able to talk about it. I do want to step up and, you know, you guys can have guy talk 
I also am invaluable as a woman, even if I don't understand or like football. Right. I do like football, and this may make people mad. Go Chargers. Mm -hmm. Tyler's from San Diego. Mm -hmm. They did move. I get it. But go Chargers. We're bolt up. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And so what are some tips or tricks that you have, like, with breaking down the ice when when everything is virtual now? Well, I think that, gosh, your first decision to make is, okay, I need to put myself out there and put myself in uncomfortable places that, you know, you may not have experienced before. Um, And I think in able to, to be able to do that, you kind of just have to, to look at your situation and go, okay, I'm going to share this and not everyone's going to be able to relate to it, but I'm not looking for those people who can't, right? So who cares what their, Mm -hmm. their thought process is or what they say, they're going to have their own opinions and just look for that specific group that, that already states that this is what they deal with, right? If it's, it's so much like when I was, my kids were born in 2000 or 95, 2000 and 2002, there wasn't, you know, uh, Facebook groups really then. There wasn't, you know, a community of people that um, can do that. I mess most of my friends through like a mommy and me group club, which you can still, you know, do nowadays. So it's just about trying to find that that group that you can connect with. So Facebook or, you know, meetups or um, so many different communities out there that you can reach out to that you know, even for us, if, if we said this is our situation, depression, anxiety, bipolar, PCOS, we could probably put all that information out there and find a group that has, you know, that deals with all those four things for us. So um, it's just a matter of looking, you know, and knowing that if people judge you, who cares? Because that's not who your audience is. That's not who your support group is. So you, you don't want to, to even worry about what they're saying. Agreed. Agreed. And also for those individuals that are in the limelight, we'll Mm -hmm. say that. So you have like uh, influencers, podcasters, YouTubers, movie stars. Mm -hmm. Uh, The world is changing to be a lot more open about this. Mm -hmm. And if you have questions and you're relating to some of them, it doesn't hurt to try to reach out. Like there's there's been quite a few people that I've reached out to on Instagram that I'm just like, dude, you're a badass. Can mm-hmm. you like be on my show? Right. Be- yes. <laughs> right. Absolutely. And, and those there, it's, we are much more connected if we choose to be mm-hmm. now angel before I know we got to wrap up soon, but to, to make sure that we're, we covered everything. Is there anything else that you wanted to cover that we haven't covered yet? No, I mean, I think, again, I think that making yourself a priority um, and really think about what you need to feel your best, right? Because in order to be the best person that you can be for everyone else, if you're, um, you know, married or in a relationship or a parent, you need to be the best for yourself. So I would just reiterate that, um, what is, try to figure out what that is. You know, if, mm-hmm. if you can improve the way you feel 10% by talking to a group of people that, you know, can relate to you, then, then do that. And then maybe there's something else that will give you another 10%. So it's just a matter of trying to figure out what those things are, right. And, and mm-hmm. how to um, take advantage of those things, because you are better for everyone else when you take care of yourself. And that's agreed. a hard thing, a hard, 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 hard thing to do. Yeah. Yes. Agreed. It's, it's, it's not an overnight process. No, uh, I, I love that towards the end of the conversation, we'll be doing uh, what is something we're grateful for. That is something that has helped me through years. Mm-hmm. Not something that I even really enjoyed when I first started doing it because I was like, this is dumb. I don't want to write it out. Right. It takes time. Right. And it's something that really helped me start changing my mindset or journaling, uh, like you said, about like, what is something that's that 10%? What is something that really lightens me up? And mm-hmm. for myself, it's these human connections. It's having these 
shitty conversations right and you know digging in deep to give others a resource that is something that lights me up Mm -hmm. and for myself it's a lot of like having random notes on my phone or in a journal somewhere to go this worked this didn't work right this is what I want this is what I'm not at so how do I get from a to b right and using those resource groups What are any words of encouragement that you have for the audience and how do they reach out to you? Um, Well, um, words of encouragement are are basically just know that there is a route that's, that's available for you. Know that there is a process that is going to make you feel better. So just be open to that, um, what that process may be. And like we said earlier, what is that 10% or 5% or 2%, you know, what is it? one thing that you can do that may not make you feel 100% better, but that brings joy to your life, that brings a smile to your life. And, um, you know, with my kids older now, us getting together and having lunch is like a huge thing, right? Whereas before it was like, I would just kind of go, oh, I gotta do lunch again. Um, You know, now it's just like, that that just brings me joy. So that's something that I try to incorporate into my life. And they probably have no idea, you know, that that that's what it does, or that's, you know, um, that it really makes that big of a difference in my life, but it does. Um, so a little bit, uh, about me, I have a podcast, it's called the soulful mind and, uh, we are almost at a hundred episodes, which is just amazing to me. Yeah. So, um, I would love for everyone to check that out and see, um, we, we focus on women and basically how things that we can provide to provide more joy, um, a purpose in your life and, and how to go about doing that. We have amazing women uh, and one man, we had one man on um, that, that uh, talked to you about their life and things that they've experienced and things that, that have worked for them. So I would love to, to share that with him as well. Oh, and Great. I'm also, Thanks. I'm on, um, uh, I am on Facebook, Angel Evanger, and I'm also on uh, Instagram, Angel Evanger. And of course, you will be tagged when we post uh, about the interview. So don't worry about that. We got you there. And the show will be in the show notes. So everyone can go follow and listen. Perfect. And what is something that you're grateful for? Oh, gosh, so many things. Um, Today, I'm grateful for talking to you because I think that, um, I don't know, just spreading this information is so important because if there's one person that feels alone right now and feels like they can't do it anymore, um, or, or is just looking for guidance, if we're able to connect with that one person, um, I'm grateful for you giving me the opportunity to do that. So thank you. You are very welcome, Angel. And I got to think of my, my gratitude thing now. <laughs> uh, I am grateful for just different ways my family communicates. I have a very, very old school family on one side, a very old fashioned family. Uh, Another side of our family is very, I'm going to say loosey goosey, I guess. And Mm -hmm. it's just, it's very cool of the dynamic from each of them has really taught me to be much more open to ideas, unlike my own. That's great. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So thank you, Angel, for joining you and looking forward to everybody checking out your show as well. Perfect. Thank you so much for having me. We appreciate you listening to the episode. Please like, follow, and share on our social media at shit to talk about. That is shit the number two talk about. Stay tuned on Wednesdays and Fridays for new episodes. This episode was made possible by production manager Trom Nguyen, business manager Bill Powell, and your host Jen.